0: If you want to be turning, if you've got a Bible, to Hebrews chapter twelve. If you haven't got a Bible with you, you should be able to follow along with the words on the screen. They should appear there. We're going to look. We're going to start looking today at Hebrews twelve verses four to eleven. If you've been with us, if you've been with us uh, in recent weeks or in or back over many months, you will know we've been uh, looking at the letter to the Hebrews uh, for a long time now and we started looking at chapter 12 a couple of times ago we're going to look at verses 4 to 11 today so Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4 in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. But what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, the writer carries straight on from where he left off. In the verses previously, those glorious verses that we've looked at, Uh, Recently, therefore, since we're surrounded, this is chapter 12, verse 1, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then he somewhat grabs our attention. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Okay. It's almost has a bit of a feel of it of, you think you've had it tough, but you haven't seen anything yet. It, can be, it grabs our attention. It feels uncomfortable. What are you saying? But you can see this clear comparison with Jesus. Look to him. Fix your eyes on him. Consider him who endured the cross. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you won't lose, that you won't, blah, 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 that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's this big comparison. Wow, look, look. Look what Jesus faced. Look what he has done. Therefore, no, I'm not going to lose, lose heart. I'm not going to lose heart. But it's a, it catches our attention. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. But his real encouragement is coming. His real encouragement is this. It's a big encouraging passage. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his sons. Ensure hardship is discipline. And remember this encouragement. Remember the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. And he quotes from, from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. He's treating you as a son. So key to our understanding of this passage as a profound encouragement is for us to understand discipline in the context of a father with his son. Discipline in the context of parents loving their children. To understand it. You see, if we see discipline in general as some kind of just a necessary or even unnecessary evil to endure in a in the real sense of enduring a blip in the normal loving relationship of parents to children then endure hardship as discipline actually doesn't provide much encouragement it's uh, endure this really horrible thing as a really horrible thing basically but he's not saying that if we really understand the role, the foundational, fundamental sense. This is what fathers do with their sons. This is what parents do with their children. They bring discipline. Then we understand, ah, oh yeah, endure hardship as, as what? As discipline. God's treating us as sons. This is massively encouraging if we understand fully. It's interesting that we've arrived here on Father's Day. And the truth is, from the youngest of us here to the oldest, we're all the children of parents. We all have or have had fathers, perhaps good, perhaps bad, perhaps absent, perhaps anywhere in the spectrum. But the truth, as Chris encouraged us at the beginning, we're all part... If we are in him, we are all part of this one family with God as our father. He's the perfect father. But I'm pausing here on Father's Day. Because we, as we read the writer to the Hebrews, he takes this as read. He takes this as assumed. Well, we understand. If I say endure hardship as discipline, you understand. Oh yeah, you're talking about, ah, this is what fathers do with their children. This is love. This is, this is, a, this is a parental relationship. This is understood. Discipline has a fundamental role in parenting, in fathership, in fatherhood, and in parenting more generally. And it's it's taken us right that discipline is a good thing. It's not a dirty word. It's a painful but fruitful activity. That's how he concludes in verse eleven. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And I pause here because is that true for us? Is it taken as read? Is it understood? Is it, this is true? Yeah. Even just hearing that, endure hardship as discipline, God's treating us as fathers. Oh, that makes sense completely. Because increasingly in our culture, this is an alien concept. That's what's seen as normal parenting becomes more and more child-centered, more and more focused on the wants of a child, more and more focused on just presenting opportunity and choice, rather than teaching what is right. Where there's a focus that comes in of actually the primary thing for a parent, just be a friend to your child. The idea that we, as parents, have a role that involves telling our children what is right. Telling them what to do and expecting that they will obey. Telling them actually what they're doing is wrong. This is becoming an alien concept in our culture. And as our culture becomes more and more individualistic, even in a wider sense, don't let anyone tell you what you can or can't do. It's your life. It's your choice. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you choose. The concept of discipline, correction, authority, ultimately, becomes more and more of an alien concept in our society. But fundamentally, that affects how we relate to God how we relate to God as the ultimate authority, the ultimate father who has authority over his children. And also it's wise to pause because, in fact, our experience with our own parents perhaps may not provide a great comparison. For some, you may readily be able to see, yes, I may readily be able to read verse 9 and say, moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it and can say, Yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful to my parents. But for others, it may be a painful verse to read. It may be a painful thing to think they disciplined us, they thought best. But it wasn't very good. And ultimately, this can be so painful. If this is painful to read, it can affect ultimately how we see God as Father. Father. The perfect father who does bring discipline for our good. Who loves us beyond the measure of any human father. So today I want to bring encouragement and challenge for parents. Psalm 127 verse 3 tells us that children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a precious gift. But we must see our role and our goal is not simply to ensure that they're happy. Or even simply to ensure that they behave or do what we want them to. But our, our goal, our role, our aim is to train them. To teach their hearts. To bring them up, as we'll go on to see, in the training and instruction of the Lord. But also not just for parents. I'm unashamedly talking to parents, but to all of us. Let's begin to see again. The father heart of God. The wonder of his love for us. As a father loves his son. As a father disciplines his son. Begin to see the value again of being under his authority. Even if that is reflected in human parenting. So we're pausing here. We're going to look at, at parenting. At discipline. And we we'll to look at three things. Number one. Discipline is fundamental in the relationship between parent and child. This is what we see in these verses, in Hebrews chapter 12. As I said, he takes it as read. He takes it as, well, you all understand this. This is just definitely true. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? It's part of being legitimate sons and daughters. No, the author doesn't say endure hardship as discipline knowing that even then God is still your father. Endure hardship as discipline knowing that even in that God, God still loves you, don't worry. No, actually, in some way that God still loves you despite the fact that he's disciplining you. No, our author is very direct. This is God treating you as his children. This is God showing you his fatherly love and care by bringing discipline, by bringing correction, by teaching and training and exhorting and instructing. This is fundamental in the role of fathers with their sons, of parents with their children, fathers with their sons and daughters, parents with their children. This is what parenting is about and the bible is full of this message particularly if you look through the book of proverbs we will look at some proverbs as we go on but we see this message again and again this is this is what fathers this is what parents are to do discipline your children but but what is it what is discipline even the, the Greek word that is translated here has such a strong connection to parents with their children or to, to, to people an authority with those under their care. This relationship of training and nurturing, of correcting and instructing and teaching. This sense of the, the discipline, it's, it's this instruction that trains someone to reach full development, to reach maturity. But we see it all throughout Scripture. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. We see Paul talking about the relationship between fathers and their sons. Again, beg pardon, between children and their parents. He does use those words. In chapter 6 of Ephesians and verse 1, Paul talks about all sorts of different relationships here. But here, children with their parents, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We see Paul describing this relationship, describing this this great picture of, of children being trained and taught, being trained to obey, being brought up in the way of the Lord, under the authority of a loving father, father who teaches, parents who teach and, and train. It's a great picture of, of the teaching and training and instructing and discipline that in, is involved in parenting. But we can see here and elsewhere, perhaps it's good to, to describe what discipline isn't. We can see here and elsewhere, discipline is not angry, vindictive punishment, doled out. It's not any sense of getting our own back because someone stepped out of line. You see, it can be, we can so easily shy away even from the word discipline itself, because it just feels like Well, I can just go, discipline equals angry punishment. That's what it means, isn't it? But no, if we look through the words of Scripture, that's not what the Bible tells us. Even we can see in a different context, we see Jeremiah crying out to God. Let's turn there just now, Jeremiah chapter 10. We can so easily get into our mind that this is what discipline is about. It's about anger being poured out. In Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 24 he says, No, that's not that. Could he praise to God, discipline me, Lords, but only in due measure, not in your anger, or you will reduce me to nothing. Well, we can we can talk, we could talk further about God and his power and his. We don't want to come, we don't want to come under the wrath of God. But Jeremiah is distinctly separating. Look, God, you can bring discipline. It's not just about Anger being poured out. Discipline's bigger than that. It's beyond that. It's not. It's not anger being exercised. But discipline is part of the love of a father. We see Psalm one hundred three, verse thirteen, again brings the, the comparison of, of God as father and, and human fathers. But there it says, "As a father has compassion on his children, so too God has compassion on those He loves." It's out of a loving relationship. Discipline isn't angry payback. It's not getting my own back. You see, even in this passage in Ephesians, chapter 6, fathers, do not exasperate your children. It's not a matter of proving by any means, I'm right and you're wrong. It's so easy to fall into this. I personally confess this presses buttons in me all the time. So easy to fall into the, to the way of Matilda's dad in the old doll book. Matilda, self-titled. Um, so dad would just say to her, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm big, you're little, you can't do anything about it. It's not the point. We're not to exasperate our children. We're not, to, we're not to just bring this kind of, well, what I say goes attitude. This week, in the build-up to preaching this, just feels like this button's been pressed again and again and again. And I can't say I've always reacted well to it. That's not to say that Andrew and Anna have just been terrible. They're, it's their fault. They're misbehaving. No, no. This is God pointing something in me. What is my job? To discipline well, in love. Not to act out of anger and you're messing about so I'm getting back at you. No, that's not what discipline is. Discipline isn't angry punishment. Or indeed discipline isn't just enforcing perfect outward behaviour. It's a deeper thing. What does Ephesians 6 tell us? This is about their hearts. Teach them the way of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, as Ephesians 6 verse 4 says. It's not just about enforcing behaviour, it's not about bringing punishment in an angry way. Discipline is a much more fundamental and deep thing. And Proverbs twenty two fifteen 15 makes it so clear that children need Discipline. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. See this truth about the hearts of children, but fundamentally about the hearts of all of us. 22 and verse 15 in Proverbs, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. It it starts to get us on this line. Look, discipline is so important. The world can so easily say, oh no, no, just, just give your children opportunity and they'll make good choices. They'll make, a great, they'll make great choices. Now we want to teach our children to make good choices. But the Bible's clear, we fundamentally have a role to teach, to bring discipline. Because ultimately our hearts and our children's hearts are full of folly. In Mark 7 verse 21, Jesus broadens this out. It's not just... Our children, if we like. Oh, we've got it sorted, but our children, have, our children need help. Now, in Mark 7, what do we see in verse 21? Jesus is talking to them. Uh, they're talking about whether it's the things that go into a person, whether it's different types of food that make them unclean. But Jesus said, no, it's what comes out of a person that makes you unclean. In verse 20, he went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. We have need of discipline because our hearts are so easily go astray. comes against so much of what culture will say that no, no, we're we're inherently good and we just need to make good choices. No. Our hearts are inherently full of folly and we need God and we need his training and his love and his spirit in us. So we see discipline, it's not angry punishment, but it is a needed thing. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, earlier in that same chapter, tells us Start children off on the way they should go, or another translation would say, Teach a child the way you should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. So, a sense look, this is what our role is bring the teaching of God to our children, set them on the way they should go. And by faith, we believe, Lord, will you keep them in it? It's a role for us as parents. So in contrast to the idea that they should just make their own choices, find their own way, let them make their own mistakes. Of course, there are important lessons to learn about making your own mistakes, about making your own choices. But ultimately, we have a role as parents to bring teaching, this is what is right. This is what is right. important lessons for children to learn, but we are given the job to teach them. And if we keep looking through the book of Proverbs, particularly, it paints a serious picture. Because so often the objection could come, but I love my child too much to bring discipline, to bring correction, to bring, to stop them doing what they want. It feels unkind to bring correction or to bring consequences for actions. Actually, the Bible's actually quite, clear and stark in saying the opposite. We look at Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. That is incredibly stark. Proverbs 30, thirteen twenty-four. This is hard to read. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking no, I couldn't bring any correction. I couldn't. I can't. I can't bring any immediate sadness because that would be so unkind. But i was saying no. This is love. This is love to to teach our children well, to show them no, no, that's wrong. This is the right way. Proverbs uh, 23 says something similar, but in in Proverbs 19. And verse 18, again, it says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. It's, it's stark words. It's, it sounds very harsh. But the writer of Proverbs is pointing out this is, this is so key. This is so important. This is so serious. Discipline, training, instruction of children is such an important thing. It's such a high calling in Scripture. Children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a precious gift. Let's do, let's do right by them. In an article in 2013, John Piper said this, really impassioned, I'm writing this to plead with Christian parents to require obedience of their children. i moved to write this by watching young children pay no attention to their parents' requests with no consequences. Parents tell a child two or three times to sit or stop and come or go. And after the third disobedience, they laughingly bribe the child. And this may or may not get the behavior desired. John Piper's passionately crying out, this is what we're to do. Require obedience. It sounds harsh. It sounds tough. Why is he bringing it? Is he just a crazy legalist? He just loves enforcing rules. No. Does he like bashing parents over the heads? No. Does he want to spoil children's fun? No. No. He writes with passion like this because he believes the truth that the Bible is saying that this is what parenting is about. This is what it is to be a child under authority. This is what it is to be a parent who loves their children, who brings this love of the Father in heaven. It's not, he's not proclaiming some kind of what we could think of as an old-fashioned view that in some ways children should be badly treated, that they should have no rights, no voice, they should be seen and not heard, they should be kept quiet. No. Because we can so easily respond to that and say, no, we've moved on from that, we're more enlightened now. Well, fine. But actually John Piper's not harking back to an old-fashioned view, he's harking back to the truth of scripture. Scripture and a God who is desperate for the ultimate good of your children. We see Jesus' heart in that incident where the disciples are saying, no, 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 we're not letting them, these children, bother Jesus. And Jesus says, Let the little children come to me. Do not ever hinder them. This is Jesus' heart. And again, John Piper is passionate about this in the scripture and Proverbs and all through is passionate about this because disobedience is not just outward behavior to correct, but it speaks of where our hearts are at. It speaks of where our children's heart is at. You see, pleading and cajoling may get the behavior we want, but it doesn't do anything to our children's hearts. But of course, obedience like discipline can be seen as a bad word. It can smack of legalism and just rules to be followed. Our individualistic culture riles against this authority. Who are they to tell me what to do? Who is anyone to tell me what to do? But We must fight this sense. Why? Because we are rightly under authority. Paul in Romans 13 calls us to submit to earthly authorities, all sorts of earthly authority, because... God has put them in place. God has allowed them to be there. But ultimately, as well as the earthly authorities, ultimately we are called to submit to God, to obey him, to follow him. We're called, as Paul says in Romans 1 verse 5, to the obedience that comes by faith. To follow him, to obey him, to come under his authority. The one who is perfect. Teaching children to obey is so important. Not ultimately so that they will do what we want. But to train and teach them that it is right to be under good authority. It is right ultimately to be under the authority of Almighty God. To come to him and know him as father. To love him and to submit to him as father. So discipline is fundamental in the relationship between parent and child. Secondly, discipline is painful but fruitful. What does he say in verse 11 in Hebrews 12? No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Comes on to talk about the fruit of receiving discipline. It's a wonderful sense that actually being trained and taught and what it's doing in us is producing a harvest of righteousness and peace. Hebrews 6, sorry, Ephesians 6 makes, a, makes the specific point children obey your parents. Why? It, it was the first command in the Old ten, the, of the Ten Commandments that came with a promise that it may go well with you there's fruits there's 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 a there's a wonderful promise that comes with this discipline and learning obedience is so good for us specifically children i'm not saying all this today i listen to your mum and dad learn obedience I'm not saying that just so that your mum and dad have an easy life. I'm not saying it, because obviously, that can sound pretty attractive. If you always do what your mum and dad said, then it will be really easy for them. But I'm not saying it because of that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says for you to obey your parents because that is good for you. Both because your mum and dad generally know what is best for you, but also because... It produces something in you. And it helps you. And the promise that comes is that so that it may go well with you. So it is good for you. It's not just so that mum and dad get things easy. But it's a hard command because it's painful. Not easy for the child and for the parent. This is how it starts. No... Discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. If nothing else, it can feel for parents particularly, it can feel like we're in that rowing boat that Dan was talking about last week. The disciples in the boat battling against the wind, doing the same thing over and over again, and feeling like I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. What's happening here? It can feel so hard. Is this working? Is this doing anything? I don't understand what's happening here. It can be painful. Therefore, the temptation always creeps in. Either, as I've already mentioned, to act out of anger, to act rashly, to come, no, this isn't right. But also, the other temptation can creep in that it's, it's easier not to challenge. It's easier to think, well, what they're doing isn't that bad. It's not really too bad. I told them not to, but, well, it won't do them any harm. It it can always feel kinder to let it go. It can always, that whole sense can creep in, but I love them too much. I love them too much to stop them. I love them too much to make them sad or to make them cry. That's what will happen here. It will be painful. Love them too much not to give them what they want when they want it. But let's hear what the Bible says. And they are hard words, particularly if we look in Proverbs 13, 24. But don't don't you see stopping them is love. Disciplining them, even though it will bring sadness in the short term, is loving them the best. Not giving them everything they want is loving them teaching them to obey, teaching them the right way, teaching them God's way. This is love. Why? Because in doing that, we're doing what God does. We're disciplining the ones we love. But it's hard, it is painful. It feels like an easier ride to just fudge it. On a Sunday, perhaps. This is an obvious example. And it's one I know I have struggled with. I know that others will struggle with. And it is hard. As we're all meeting together. It can feel so easy to fudge it. Oh, well, I ask them to sit down. But at least they're not screaming. I just want to be able to listen. Anything for a peaceful ride. It can become so tempting just to let it go. Being in and out of a meeting, I will say from lengthy personal experience, it's not much fun. It's not easy. We went, we've been through times when Andrew and Anna have struggled with Sunday meetings and we've asked them to do things and they haven't done it and we've been in and out of the meetings to the point where you can just get Think, I just want to be in and able to listen. What am I doing this for? What's going on? And then, oh, they're kicking off again. To the point where one Sunday, if if you were at the North Congregation that Sunday, you will have heard, at some point, this goes back a while, Arnold was preaching from Romans, I think. Andrew was not very happy. I was taking Andrew out. I obviously didn't look very happy either. Arnold was preaching. He stopped. He looked up. He said two words show mercy. And then he carried on. (laughs) And as I went out the door, I was thinking, oh, yeah, Arnold, what? uh, No, no, no. You're completely right. But it's so easy to fall into the traps. Either way, either I'm just going to let it go or actually no, now you're going to get it because you're interrupting me and I'm being disrespected. No! We discipline the ones we love for their good. Not for my satisfaction or not for my easy ride. Because this is so important. It's hard and it's painful. If you're a parent here today, particularly with young ones, well done. Keep going. Keep persevering. Remember why we're doing it. Remember our motive. We long to see them living for God. We long to bring them up to know the way of the Lord. Remember that it is worth it. It is fruitful. It is training our children. So persevere. Ask for help. Pray. Read the words. Get a hold of this. I can tell another story of, we'd had a lot of trouble, particularly about Sundays again. With Andrew, I think particularly, he'd just gone through a phase of, it's just, this is hard. What's going on? We're in and out all the time. Every kind of 10 minutes in a meeting, what is going on? But we were, at, I think we were doing a fusion meeting after the, after the, the North meeting. Um, we were there and Mark and Beth were there and Ian and Liz and Ness were there and then all the fusion guys, or the North fusion guys anyway. And I think we just got to a point in the meeting and I think Mark asked, particularly if there, was some, if, if there was anything that they could pray for us about. And we asked them, well, can you pray for us on a Sunday with Andrew? And this isn't necessarily always how things will happen. But for a long time after that Sunday, we didn't have to go out once. I would encourage you, to persevere and keep crying out to God. It's not always going to be that it changes in an instant. We've had other times since. And of course, again, I'm also saying this isn't all about Sunday meetings. It's just a good example to use. But God can intervene. God intervenes. So be encouraged and persevere. Let me encourage and exhort parents, including myself, as John Piper does. Let's require obedience. Let's not settle for distracted or outwardly okay. But let's discipline the ones we love, teaching them to obey that it may go well with them. On a Sunday during the rest of the week, During the week, all those little things that we think, oh, it doesn't matter. Let's be consistent in bringing loving discipline. Okay, thirdly, uh, discipline's a fundamental part of the relationship between a parent and a child. Discipline is painful but fruitful. But thirdly, we don't bring perfect discipline. Verse 9 moreover we have in back in hebrews 12 (laughs) moreover we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it how much more should we submit to the fathers of spirits and live they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best but god disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness The great encouragement is ultimately God doesn't imitate us in our parenting. We are poor imitators of Him. We can be so influenced by our own, perhaps bad experience of how our parents were with us, even by good experiences. But we can think, is that what God's endorsing? That all that my parents did, that's just what He's like. We'll go on to see as we look more closely at this passage and we look at it again. We as parents and our parents, as parents to us, did as we think best, do as we think best. We don't always get it right. But here's the here's the truth God is always God disciplines us for our good. Now, I know there's a common comma there, but I'm going to say it a different way. But God disciplines us for our good, full stop. There's not a full stop. See, so anyway. Always, completely, always. What God is doing in bringing discipline, what God is doing in everything, is for our good. However well or badly our parents disciplined us. However well or badly we can think, man, what am I doing with my children? Ultimately, God always is working for our good. For many, perhaps, there is the real sense, my parents did not do this well. There is a real hardship as you read verse 9 and say, and I respected them for it. Perhaps discipline was non existent, perhaps fathers or mothers were absent, perhaps perhaps on the other hand, discipline always came across more like angry, vindictive punishment. It can feel very difficult, perhaps, to feel respect for them. And therefore perhaps seeing God as father is very difficult the coming encouragement that God is treating us as a father, his sons, holds perhaps some trepidation rather than utter delight. But here is the truth. Whether what they thought was best was pretty good, was okay, or was downright terrible, God disciplines always and completely for our good. Even in and through the perhaps drastic imperfections of our human parents, God has always been working for our good. Because He is the perfect Father who loves us. He's not a slightly better version of me as a parent, or a slightly better version of your parents as a parent. He is the ultimate, He is perfect. But we need to see this is the relationship between a father and son. This is the relationship between parents and their children that we discipline the ones we love, that we bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, that we don't just say, well, anything goes, it's fine. No, we bring the truth in love. Because discipline can so easily become a dirty word, but it is good. It is a father treating us as a son in love as we will see when we look at this great encouragement again we're not finished with hebrews 12:4 to 11 so today parents and particularly fathers as the verse directs its attention to let me challenge and encourage let's not shy away from this however hard however countercultural it seems let us teach our children the way they should go. Not angrily and vindictively. Not passively denying anything's going on. But bringing godly discipline that does our children good. And for all of us, let us recognise our Father in heaven. Perhaps today there is a need for some, for a throwing off of something. My parents or my father got this so drastically wrong. But well, today I invite you, as the writer to the Hebrews encourages just before, let us throw off everything that hinders. He's not just talking about sin. Throw off everything that hinders. Well, this may be painful and it may be hard, but this is for our good. Let us throw off that sense. How could God be a father? What does that mean? I don't understand. Let us throw it off, the pain of the past, and see God is the perfect father. I understand that now. It's so wonderful. And to see that our perfect heavenly father is a loving father who brings good discipline to those he loves. Amen.